Hello everybody, we're back again with another episode of The Hill Review. This is your host, Kirk Hill Jr. Um, last week, uh, I was talking about my music video and one of my friends uh, from my job, uh, he came on the train and we talked for a little while, so that was like a little brief interlude. But today, um, one of my other friends and co-workers uh, is going to be my first official guest on the show. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, this is Eli Siriaco. How you doing, ladies and gentlemen? It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Kirk, for inviting me. Uh, gonna have some fun today. Absolutely. Now, as I promised you guys, we were gonna, uh, I was going to talk about Spider-Man Far From Home. Um, it's been out for, what, two weeks now? So, uh, I'm pretty sure most people have seen it, but if not, you know, Spoiler alert, um, spoilers ahead for the movie, of course. Um, I'm going to talk briefly about the movie, what I liked, what I didn't like. Uh, and Eli and I, uh, we're going to discuss the ending of it, and we're going to discuss how we feel Tom Holland ranks among other Spider-Men in the past. We're going to talk about live action, um, because I didn't see Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, so um, I still have to see it. Now that it's on Netflix, I definitely will. Um, so, Spider-Man Far From Home is the sequel to Spider-Man Homecoming. It uh, follows Avengers Endgame and uh, deals with Peter moving on with his life and, you know, the new struggles that he has to face after the events of Endgame. And one of the things off the bat that I <clears throat> liked to an extent was how they dealt with what the world is like post Endgame. Um, one of the choices that that, that I think um, they could have made for you know is to have um, in uh, I think they should have had more of Peter's. Um, immediate friends or and or family uh, be a part of this um, like be not a part of the snap so uh, for those of you who haven't seen Endgame well this in that movie there's a five-year time gap um, from Thanos snap to the snap that brings everybody back so um, I think it's a little too convenient that all of Peter's close friends mm -hmm were snapped away right along with him so they all come back the exact same age um i feel like there could have been more fun to be had if it was a little bit mixed i feel like even if aunt may wasn't snapped like she was snapped also you know and in the movie she makes a joke about uh when she came back um you know somebody new was living in her apartment and the, the wife thought she was a mistress and all this other stuff. And it was like a fun joke. But I feel like me, I, I, I hate sometimes that I'm a writer because like now that I know how to structure movies and what should be in a movie, um, I think one of the things that took me out of this movie in the beginning, especially in the first act, was how much of a comedy it was. Like... I don't, Spider-Man is funny, um, MCU is known for its humor, and I get that, but to follow an event like Endgame, I understand that you kind of need a palate cleanser, but I also feel like there could have been a little bit more pathos in terms of the effect of being gone for five years and then coming back and having to deal with that. Um, but there were a lot of jokes, I liked the, um, the interactions between like, Peter and Ned, Peter and MJ. Uh, I love Zendaya in this movie. She's um, She has a little bit more character to her in this one than in the first one. Um, I The character of uh, Mr. Dell, which is played by J.B. Smoove, I didn't really like the way he was written. Um, a lot of his jokes just didn't land for me. Uh, and the comedy, like I said, like the comedy is good, but some comedy feels a little bit forced. Not all the jokes land. Um, in terms of other things that I really liked, I really enjoyed Mysterio. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio was amazing. Um, especially, 
I and, and I, I like he, he is underrated but I I like how he can just as easily play the big brother mentor role as he can play the unhinged like villain role and even when he does like evil things there's certain parts where it's like you kind of just it's like you you feel for him a little bit because he he cares about Peter but when he has to be the villain he's like you know I care about you but my goals come first and like I I felt that um the reveal that he's the villain like I mean anyone who knows Mysterio like it, it it wasn't I'm gonna say this off the bat. I did enjoy Homecoming more than Far From Home. I like Homecoming a lot more. Um, the villain twist of Vulture is done a lot better than the villain twist of Mysterio. Because in Far in Homecoming, the twist isn't that he's the villain. The twist is that he's even more connected to Peter than we thought because he's Liz's dad. Like that scene comes out of nowhere, and then the scene in the car when Vulture figures it out the tension in that scene is so so good. So, good. so good and there's no moment like that in far from home so like it's like even when the trailers showed like he's battling these creatures in my like everyone knows like Mysterio's not gonna be a hero in this movie he's yeah. going to be a villain eventually it was more of like I know he's gonna be revealed it was just when in the movie is it gonna be revealed and in that scene I the, the thing that made me more shocked was all those people in the background that were like acting with him and like they're all in on it and stuff. That scene in itself is very exposition exposition heavy. Um, a lot of the other people's motivations I don't quite understand, but I do understand um, Mysterio's. It kind of bothers me that both villains in the Spider-Man movies are tied to Iron Man and um, I'm hoping that when we move on to the third one, the third Spider-Man movie, it'll finally be like a full-on Peter story, and it's no longer tied to stuff that's happened with Tony and Tony's past. Like, I, you know, Spider-Man's movies were a part of Tony's arc, and I, I understood that, but I feel like Far From Home was the first thing like leading towards like getting out of Tony's shadow. And with the way that this movie ends, um, and the post credit scenes, I think that third movie is really going to get into that. So now, I've been talking a lot. I'm going to let Eli come in and chime in about how he felt about the movie's ending, the post credit scenes, and where we think um, the MCU is going to take this story moving forward. So, Eli, uh, um, go ahead. I, I wrote down a couple things that you said that I thought were interesting. Um, the post-Endgame world... I think just Endgame in general did a very, very good job of creating this feel of the impact of the snap in general. Um, but I actually completely agree with you in the fact that the convenience of his friends all and his family all being snapped away. Right. I, I thought it would have been fascinating to see Aunt May remain. Right. Um, just to have like somebody in the world to one feel spider-man's loss outside of tony mm -hmm. um and two kind of like some people complain that she was too young so it would have been interesting to see her come back a little older kind of yeah. to like appease the like you know we have young hot aunt may slightly older middle-aged aunt may right like uh or middle-aged hot young yeah, aunt yeah, may yeah, or, yeah like you know what i mean um and i also think that his best friend would have been awesome to to you know get to oh, finish if school he was old yeah and, you know go through all that and it's like i think they, i would i would have liked if if flash grew up yes that would have been cool too just but just either way to have a tie of somebody with that went to school that was his age or his peer yeah and that now they still have a relationship but there's differences because mm -hmm. one they lived through this apocalypse situation right and two they're older and maybe they even started a family. Like, who knows what happened in those five years? Like, he, oh, you, what are they? Like, you're like, how old is Spider-Man? Like, 16? 16, 17. So, like... too soon to start a family. But... Because uh, they'd be, like, like 21, 21 yeah. 22. If they, no, but, like, they could, like, go out and, like, his friend orders a beer or something. It would have been, like, a funny joke. Right, It's right. like, oh, or something like that. And so, I, like, it's a very ex machina moment where it's just like, oh, we can 
do it really cleanly so we can tell this story mm-hmm. um, and and continue to and good for the actors because you could continue to hire the same actors yeah. and you don't have to replace them but it i completely agree as for mysterio um i have to commend disney for taking a lot like more low-key characters like they're not the ones that you think of first when you think of a character when you think of a of spider-man's role gallery you don't name mysterio first you're talking about green goblin hobgoblin venom carnage like he's not the first guy you think Mm -hmm. of but they've been able to bring characters that are a bit more uh a bit more like like low-key like vulture and and uh and mysterio and actually make them the centerpiece of a film and I commend them for that. I think that it's it's a great move. I think that it also gives longevity to the franchise because it allows you to create a space where you can bring the big villains right. in this huge event. Like we can, if we get Venom, if that's a big if, mm-hmm. considering the, 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 the issues that they have with who owns the rights to Venom. Uh, if we do get Venom, it allows for like, Peter to feel established. We understand Peter's power set. Anybody who doesn't know about Spider-Man gets to know what Peter's about, what the Spidey sense is about, you know, all these other things. And uh, I say, I specifically say Venom because he's the he's the big bad when it comes to Spider-Man. Of course. Um, he's the one we all want to see. Like we already had two Green Goblins, and you know, you pick yours. I I personally like Sam Raimi's Green Goblin. Oh, better. me too. Uh, me too. And I also think that um, Vulture's glider scene was totally a nod to Sam Raimi's Green Goblin yeah. scene, um, which just makes it like it even more. Because if you want to make an homage in a movie towards somebody else's uh, iteration of a character, I feel like you find that it's respectable. Speaking of that, um, remember the scene in the first Spider-Man movie when. Green Goblin and um, Spider like that's their final fight. Yeah, there's like there's no music in, no. in there at first. It's just Green Goblin like whooping Spider-Man's ass, and then when the bomb explodes in Peter's face and mm-hmm. just like the 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 tension in that scene is so like like yo like Peter's getting like rocked right now. Like oh my god, what's gonna happen to him? And it was just like you feel like even though you know he's Spider-Man, you still feel like yo like he might lose this. Like what's going on? And it's just like, as soon as he threatened MJ, it's like, all right, now we gotta, like, now I'm gonna, like, whoop your ass. And it was just like, that that tension in that scene was really, like, great. Like, honestly, it's a very underrated scene that people don't talk about. Sam Raimi's Spider-Man in general is underrated. Right. Now, One and two are, are great. Oh, yeah, they're, like, they're amazing movies. Now, see, now there's a, there's a scene in Far From Home that I think rivals that when Mysterio finally, like, goes full swing with his powers and mm-hmm. just creates a bunch of illusions around mm-hmm. Peter. Yeah. It's like Oh, and that scene was it, awesome. Yeah, and it like and it and you can see how much it messes with him and it's just like it's mindfuck after mindfuck yeah, after mindfuck. And even really, the audience really, really is like really I got there was one scene where like there's a moment in that scene where you think the illusions are over. And you're like, oh, okay, cool, that's crazy. And then it's just like, nope, it's yeah, still going on. Yeah. And you're just like, oh man. That scene and it's just, was, that and that, like, that, very, that very was well one done. of the best scenes in the movie. And the way the scene ends, you're just like, fuck. Yeah. Like it, it's, and you just feel for Peter, and like the way that he reacts after that. Like everything, like honestly, the movie from that scene to the end. I loved. It was just like more of the first half where it's like we're just kids on vacation, a lot of like comedy and all that stuff. That that part I didn't really like care for as much, and it it didn't, it just didn't like keep me invested, you know. So that that was kind of it. Speaking of that scene and in general, the way they uh, kind of like use Mysterio's powers, mm-hmm. like. As opposed, like with technology and all that, I really appreciated that. Like he was always an illusionist and something. Yeah, whatnot, yeah. But I appreciated the modernization. Most of the time, I always like, uh, I like the old characters. I kind of like stick it. But I thought that they did that really, really, really well. Yeah. And I thought that it made sense with the world that they created. Exactly. As well. Um, but one thing that you said was Iron Man's shadow that looms over. I like it was my big problem with. Uh, homecoming to begin with mm-hmm. um, and even this one as well it's just like 
Iron Man's shadow still looms over Peter Parker. Iron Man, yeah. like, and it, it, I, I feel that it takes away from his character. Mm-hmm. Um, because he does, like, the beauty of Spider-Man and what made Spider-Man so popular initially was that he was this teenager. And he's this teenage superhero who kind of comes into his own. And it's supposed to give you this feeling as a teenager or as a kid watching Spider-Man. It's like, you know, I can do it too. And that's what made Spider-Man so popular when Spider-Man first debuted, that he was this teenage superhero. Right. Whereas now it's kind of like, you have the single, single, you know, father vibe, you know, Mm -hmm. the the single parent vibe, the the kid that didn't grow up without, without, which I feel like the, the... what is it, Generation Z? Mm-hmm. And millennials and whatnot. Like, a lot of us can relate to that. Yeah. But I feel like it also takes away from the character because he has this dependency on Stark and Stark technology. Right. And all that. And I I hope to see him come into his own. Uh, one of the things that I, that was interesting about the end and about the... the can I... Can I the major spoilers. Yeah, yeah. Now, right now. now we're really gonna major, get into major it. Spoilers. Now we're gonna talk about it. So in the post-credit scenes, mm-hmm. um, there's a uh, Mysterio had like leaked. They they get a tape of Mysterio, mm-hmm. and he made it seem like Peter Parker killed him. Yeah. And so, I, and then he tells everybody Peter Parker is Spider Man. Right. And. It was just, I was just like, oh, it was just like a real old shit moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, and I was just like, ah, oh, shoot, I want to see what happens after this. I read something online that made it so fascinating for me because um, in the comics, in Ultimate Spider-Man, which is what a lot of people feel that this spider this iteration of Spider-Man takes a lot of inspiration from, mm-hmm. um, he gets his identity revealed, and after a year... Like, he actually dies. Peter Parker dies. So, people are wondering if this will eventually lead to a death, or the death, or a kind of death. Like, and I say kind of death is where like, he, he dies, but he doesn't really die. Mm-hmm. Come back. Of Peter Parker. Which I think will be interesting. And I think will... Like... I think will bring that weight of... Like... I think it'll bring weight to the to the series. If not if he dies, but it's just like that mortal danger or the idea that he can die. There's there's always mm-hmm. that possibility. That the, like one of the amazing things about Endgame for the everybody for Endgame and, and, and Infinity War, for everybody that didn't know the storyline, which was a lot of people, like all the comic fans. Like I remember I kept I always said that when Infinity War happened and then Infinity War I laughed like inside. Yeah. Because I knew what was gonna happen at the end of the film mm-hmm. um, because I know the Infinity Gauntlet storyline, and so I, I knew that everybody was gonna die. Right. Um, and even though it's like not exactly how it happened, but I knew like the snap has to happen. People yeah. have to die. Um, and so when it happened, I remember I saw it twice in theaters. I think or three times. I think it was twice. But it, it made me laugh because everybody who never read the comic was just so so shocked. But it was such an impactful moment in movie history. Right, right. Because it was the moment where superheroes didn't win. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm just sick, but I like when heroes don't win. It's one of the reasons why I like people like George R. R. Martin's writing, because the hero doesn't always win. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit off subject here, but mm-hmm. like when you talk about like Rob Stark, yeah, his story arc is... is kind of generic if you think about it and I don't mean that to this uh, George I mean that he intentionally did it that way that it seems like his father was this just man and then his father got wrongfully killed and so the son is on this trail of vengeance to get you know to, yeah. to, to avenge his father very formulaic right and yeah. he's successful in what he does and then he he makes a mistake um, and this is how where George R. R. Martin subverts our expectations because our expectations of Rob Stark is that he would succeed right right? and he's the hero he's the new hero of the story because at this point we don't really know yet who the main character of the story is because it it takes point of views and we thought it was Ned Stark because Ned Stark seems to be like this good just guy and he gets his head chopped off halfway through the first book Um, spoilers for anybody who didn't see Game of Thrones but it's like 
but then you know Rob and Rob is like on a tear. He's he's never lost a battle. You know he captures Jamie. Mm -hmm. You know and like now he he he's he's he messed up, but he's making up for it by uh, marrying his his uncle to to one of the Freys, and then he gets betrayed and killed in this horrific manner. Mm -hmm. It subverts the expectation because you're just like I expected him to win, and that's one of the moments outside of like many where you're just like fuck George. Like I don't know what to expect. Like yeah, yeah. it's like. And that's why I like moments like that. And so if we get a moment like that where where Peter dies, or maybe Peter goes into a coma, or something super tragic happens to Peter as a result of his identity being revealed, yeah. I think that that will add a lot of weight to the, the franchise towards making Peter just feel like there's a bigger threat out there. Like, he's kind of undefeatable in, yeah. in a way like not only does he have like these superpowers but he has this awesome suit that that right. does a lot of things it's just like so like what's really gonna be a threat to peter well now his identity's out so now if people know his identity they know that like who who might be his his loved ones they might know where he's at at any time of the day because they know you know how to track him and, and it was funny because at first i at first i was i was upset about it because it was like part of Peter's journey is that he does have a secret identity to protect the people that he cares about. But then I watched um, a review of it on YouTube. There's a guy on YouTube, Chris Duckman. His reviews are like really, really good. And he was talking about it and he was like, you know, I kind of like that they did that because in a society like today's where everything is caught on camera and there's so many times that like social media and just internet and all the all those things that go on it, it's kind of silly to think that no one has ever seen peter change into spider-man like no one's ever just caught it real quick or whatever and like in a world and in the world of the mcu secret identities kind of aren't a thing like everybody kind of knows like from iron man one like the jump it was like i am iron man like mm -hmm. so the whole idea of what a person like a secret identity that doesn't really happen in that because everyone knows that Steve Rogers is Captain America. Right. Thor is Thor. Everyone knows that Bruce Banner is the Hulk. So it's like, there's no need for secret identity. The only person that really had it is Spider-Man. So I feel like, and at first I didn't like it, but until he had said that in the review that like, it makes sense for Peter to not, to, to be exposed in the world of today's, of today's society and in the world of the MCU. So to see where that will carry through into like the future movies that is going to be like really interesting and who's going to be around to like help him out through that and how it will affect everyone else and his friends and like what interesting if we get doc ock mm. because I, I correct i might be wrong and anybody who's a comic book fan and that knows this a little better because i've only like seen like comics explained talk about it uh but i believe that ultimate spider-man after he dies, Doc Ock implants himself into his body. So it's like Spider-Man is oh, yeah. still alive, and but Doc Ock's mind is in it. Yeah, which, yeah. Which again would be just really interesting. Um, there was one rumor that this may be a way to reintroduce the Daredevil into the MCU oh, yeah, and have like too. have Matt Murdock be Peter's lawyer or something, or have Kingpin be interested in like finding spider-man or whatever so like a hit on him yeah you know what i mean so That'd like be interesting too this, so it'd be a way to finally bring like the netflix like back into the fold and knowing that the netflix characters have been in the movie so if, well, the, the if, netflix characters are, are gonna get put onto the disney platform now right i think so but i'm not that's what i because I, I i think they're all being pulled from netflix now no they're yeah they're all done now but i don't think they're all canceled canceled i, I believe that they're just gonna move them to to the other platform. I mean, Hopefully. if they do, if they do, that'd be good. But um, how are they gonna move Punisher? I think Punisher's one of the fewest to just stay on Netflix. Yeah, it's just like going to Disney to watch Punisher just doesn't feel right. I know, I know. <laughs> it just doesn't feel right to like I don't go watch Punisher and log it into a Disney account. Mm -hmm. um, How'd you feel about um, J.K. Simmons being back as uh, J. Jonah Jameson? Oh, that was perfect. Right? Oh, like, it got a pop for me. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. It's like, it's like, it's just, there's no other person. Mm -hmm. There's just no other person that could do it. And so it was great. 
Um, even I, even I, my dad was like, oh, man, they brought him back. And I was like, yeah. I, I knew he was campaigning for the part. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, if anybody in the like didn't think he was perfect for it, they're crazy. And I like that even the way he looks, like, he doesn't look exactly the same. Yeah. So it can be, like, two different versions. Oh, it's not, for sure. You know, so it's like even this new look that he had as J. Jonah. But it's still, like you feel that J.K. Simmons energy where it's like, Yo, it's, for sure, it's for perfect. Sure. Like, he is the perfect, like, J. Jonah Jameson. And I, I, I love that they brought him back. It that just was, sucks that, was that cool. we'll, we'll never get uh, a moment like we did in Sam Raimi's where he gets to be his photographer and he's like, are you oh, serious? Yeah. <laughs> like, that scene is so legendary for me. Like, it's, I, I use the gif all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like, so of him laughing and he's like, are you serious? Yeah. It's like, um, nah, he J.K. Simmons so, has some of the greatest lines in the Spider-Man. Oh yeah, trilogy. for sure, for sure. He said, "Oh, is he shy? We can get a picture of Julia Roberts on the thong. We can certainly get a picture of this weirdo." <laughs> <laughs> like, yo, that oh, that part was so he's funny. Great. He's a phenomenal actor. Well, oh, speaking about phenomenal, he actors. said, "Crap, crap." Mega crap. <laughs> they are excellent pictures. Exactly. They're better than anything anybody's ever brought him. Like, and yo. he's just totally low-balling Peter. Like, oh, yeah. He's so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of great actors, to go back to Jake Gyllenhaal's performance. Jake Gyllenhaal. If anybody doesn't think Jake Gyllenhaal is a good actor, like, you just haven't watched Jake Gyllenhaal films. Exactly. Like, he's so, so good. At what he does and he's so so good at immersing himself into characters yes like you, like y'all really really need to like if if you like Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio take a moment look up his IMDB and look up some of his films and watch them I like, would suggest that you watch Nightcrawler watch Nightcrawler watch Brokeback Mountain watch Southpaw watch- well, that, that yeah. that, that's my favorite Jake Gyllenhaal movie. He's, Southpaw is so... His performance in yeah. Southpaw is so damn good. First of all, he nails the New York accent. Mm-hmm. Second of all, he nails something that most people wouldn't probably even do in a, in a, in a film like that, and it's the boxer slur. Like, oh, yeah. the way he slurs his words as somebody that's kind of punch drunk, it, it's so crazy to me because it's not something that people who don't box or don't know about combat sport like really think about yeah. happens to you when you get hit in the head so many times and you watch him speak and I remember watching that movie for the first time and I'm just like he sounds like a boxer that's taken too many punches mm-hmm. like, and, and, like and if you haven't seen Southpaw it was one of the concerns of his wife in the beginning of the film that he was taking and so, so much hits so, yeah. yeah so like and it's so he's so good watch Jake Gyllenhaal like there's a reason why people were saying he should be Batman like uh, like just he's good speaking of Batman I know we're talking about Marvel that's cool but I haven't got a chance to speak with you about this Uh, what do you think about um, this guy being selected as the Batman uh, the new Batman Pattinson yeah Robert Pattinson I don't really care for it personally but I felt the same way about Ben Affleck, and I really like Ben Affleck's performance. So I've learned to never, and and everyone felt that way when Michael Keaton was first cast. Like everyone hated it when everybody it first happened. When this guy was cast, so it's like, like oh, I've learned movie? to never underestimate the actor that you pick to play Batman. Batman, they'll yeah, yeah, they'll yeah. bring something out of you that you never even thought of. Like even Christian Bale. I, Christian like, Bale. Growing him. up, I had never even heard of Christian Bale. Like I didn't know. Like I didn't know. And he's been acting since he was a kid. But I didn't know who Christian Bale was until he played Batman. And I was just like, well, who's this guy? And so it was just know, like, it was surprising. I didn't know Christian Bale was British. Because, right. <laughs> because Christian Bale, when he became, like I'm the same way as you. I didn't know who the hell Christian Bale was. Mm-hmm. At least I, I knew him by face. Right. Like I, um, I believe the Prestige had come out at that point. The Prestige is after Batman. Is Begins. it after Be- Batman Begins? Yeah. Okay, so I already knew him at that point. But okay, so then I didn't know him. Yeah, That's so it. I didn't know him before then. And like I remember seeing like who's this guy? He's so small for Batman. Yada. But watching Batman Begins, um, and I'm just like, all right, that was cool. Mm-hmm. And then like watching interviews and stuff like that. Like what people don't know is that he kept a freaking American accent while he was playing Batman on purpose, just so people wouldn't know that he was British, so that right. they would be more accepting of him 
as the actor for Batman. And so for a long time, I had no idea that he was British. And so one day I see him in another interview and I'm like, what the hell's going on? Why is right. he speaking that way? And I, like, kind of, like, he had be fooled. Like, yeah. He had Honestly, fooled. now that you mention it, um, like you said with Jake Gyllenhaal, I would love to have Christian Bale play a villain in a superhero movie. Because he's been a hero, I would love to see him play a villain because I feel like he could do it just as well. Like his ability to become the characters that he plays is really great. Like Christian Bale is amazing in The Fighter. Um, he killed the Dick Cheney role he just played. Um, he was good in The Big Short. He was good in um, American Hustle. And those are all like four different types of roles, different types of movies. So like in terms of like, I'm trying to think about what what villain I would want to see him as. Honestly, I just, because I, I just, just because I just said it, it described him that way, I would love to see him be the chameleon. Hmm. Because he can transform into so many different things. I would love to see him play the chameleon. Hmm. That would actually be a perfect villain role in, in terms of a Spider-Man movie. He's a damn good actor. I, I would, yeah, I, like, I would like to see him in any role. But my, my opinion about, okay, Robert Pattinson, for everybody who's going to, think this is an unpopular opinion uh-huh. so I found out Robert Pattinson was Batman I was like Ugh. then I went to bed woke up the next day I kind of did this with with uh with what's his name I'm so bad with names with uh, Ben Affleck as well uh-huh. I woke up the next day and I was like you know what I'll give him a chance right you know but and so I kind of did the same thing and I like if you look up Robert Pattinson's indie films He's a good actor. No, he is. He's a good actor, um, but he's defined by a very bad franchise. Yeah. Um, which he, by the way, has admitted to like not, or like indirectly admitted to like hating. Yeah. Um, so he probably didn't even give it his all in those films to begin with. Uh, he's 6'1", so he's relatively tall. I think he's the same height as, as Henry Cavill. Because mm. I, think, I think Ben's 6'3". Yeah. So he's actually a taller Batman than Henry was. Uh, but I think in the film they didn't show him to be taller, anyways. Um, the and I looked at and I looked I searched pictures of him like shirtless, just to see what kind of frame he had to see if he could put on masks. Yeah. Um, cause like the image of me is Twilight, yeah. Robert, and I'm like that dude is so skinny. Exactly. But like I've seen some more recent pictures and I'm just like you know what, if. If he goes on whatever Henry Cavill went on <laughs> yeah, to yeah, gain yeah. mass for Superman, like he could look really good as but he's tall. Yeah, my he has a crazy. He has a he has a decent oh, frame. That shit was he crazy. could look good as Batman. Yeah. yeah. I think he I think he has a chin to look good in the cow. Oh yeah, yeah. You gotta um, have the chin. And he has the acting chops. And he has a phenomenal director and writer. Like to like and who has who seems to be a really a genuine fan of the of the medium yeah like he seems to like actually like comics and actually like batman and so he wants to bring the rogues gallery he wants to bring the bat family in like i'm kind of excited to see what they're gonna bring to the table as opposed to like as as cool as and amazing as joaquin phoenix is not excited about the joker film yeah I'm, and it's the funny thing is I'm not either, but I it's like it's one of those things where like you kind of just know Joaquin Phoenix's performance is probably going to be amazing, yeah. but the movie itself I, I don't know if I really want to see. It might not even be bad. It just like I'll leave it. I like I feel like if it's good, my opinion might be like it was good, but it's not what I wanted it to be. Yeah. Or it was good, but how is it gonna tie? Like, and they're supposedly saying that this movie is gonna be the first movie that ties into this Justice Justice League Black uh, brand, uh, not, like a uh, DC Black mm-hmm. brand of films where they actually like are creating like a whole separate universe. Yeah, um, that's gonna have like these different, like I guess a darker, more adult tone, mm-hmm. which is cool. Uh, which, by the way, I guess Ben Affleck's Batman totally fits. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but. I don't know, but back to Disney stuff. Um, well, when in terms of Spider-Man, do you, where this is, this is like the third Spider-Man we've seen, the third actor to play Spider-Man in the last 17 years. So, how how would you rank him? I hate Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, and so many people get so upset when I say mm-hmm. that. 
but I just don't like him. I didn't like it. I I rank Andrew Garfield in Amazing Spider-Man 2 that suit to be the best suit ever. Oh, it is an amazing it's suit. It's the best suit that they've made. It's the it's just beautiful. Um however, he's my least favorite. Uh and Sam Raimi is number 2. Mm. And uh Sam Raimi Spider Spider-Man is number 2 uh, with uh what is it? Topher Toby Maguire. Toby Maguire. Topher is the Topher who played Venom. Venom. One of the worst um, castings ever. But uh, I digress. <laughs> but I digress. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, sh- it, sh- it should have been. It should have been somebody else. Yeah. Um, and and then I actually think that Tom Holland is the best guy to ever play Spider-Man to date. Like, yes. I just I feel that he fits the role in the same way that we feel that uh, Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man, mm-hmm. and we feel that Chris Hemsworth is Thor, uh, and like outside of the MCU, um, some people. Other people don't, but a lot of us feel that uh, uh, Henry Cavill is Superman. Yeah. Um, I feel that Tom Holland is Spider-Man. He just feels right for the role. Yeah. He he has a good balance of of I feel like what uh, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man brought and and because uh, I feel like. Those, the problem with those Spider-Man is like they were a little too far on opposite sides of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, I kind of felt that like, like, you know, like Spider-Man talk crap during fights and stuff like that. Which, mm-hmm. which, uh, uh, what's his name? Which this guy did in Amazing Spider-Man, and but I felt like he was bullying people. Like I was just like, Ugh. this is like maybe I'm being a little too harsh on him. But it was just like shut up, <laughs> like at, after a certain point. No, that's or how it was I like, too. Or it was just like, oh, you're being a dick, like. Yeah. Um, whereas, I feel like when Spider-Man does it, it's more to the end of like kind of like Deadpoolish. Yeah. Where he's just being snarky and like being funny, and um, to maybe even being corny sometimes. Sometimes mm-hmm. he would, he would say some things and they were I found them funny because I find dad jokes funny, but they were in the lane of like dad jokes. Yeah. And stuff like that. Whereas um Toby Maguire Spider Man was like he was very emotional. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it wasn't it wasn't bad. It was just like and I feel like Tom Holland he, he makes the jokes and like his character, like the way they write him is that he makes the jokes and he he still has, you know, he portrays the emotion really well and he feels the right age too. And yeah. That, that's another that's another thing. Um, he also has a good build. He has a good build for Spider-Man, I think. Yeah. Um, I agree. I, I I would say Tom Holland is my favorite actor to play Spider-Man, but. In my opinion, a lot of people disagree with me. Neither of his films top the first two Spider-Man, Spider-Man movies. Those will hold the special part in my yeah, heart for always. Like, it's just, it's just a, always. like it's just a way those were made, and like you gotta understand, you gotta understand when for us growing up, you know, right when the superhero like movie wave started, it was like it was Blade, X-Men, and Spider-Man. I didn't see Blade. In theaters, I didn't see X Men in theaters, so Spider Man was like the first one for me. And like seeing Spider Man on screen and seeing that origin story and seeing those performances and just like the whole goblin fight and everything about it, even the way the movie ended with like Harry saying, like, Yeah, I swear on my father's grave, Spider Man will pay. Like, it was like, and then the fact that he kissed MJ and still walked away from her because he was like I can just be like it was just like that movie did not end the way I thought it was going to end and it was just like you know what about the train scene yeah and that's and and to this day that is one of the greatest superhero scenes so much better of all time and like they try to replicate it in different ways in so many different ways but it's it's not the same yeah like Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2 are two of the greatest superhero movies I've ever seen one of the things that I love about the train scene is how everybody like sees his face but they protect his identity yeah like that was such a like 
awesome moment that's, that sometimes goes over people's heads. And, and the fact that they acknowledge that he is young. It's like, and wow. nobody knows who the hell he is. Like, yeah. the thing is like, it's not like everybody recognizes, oh, shoot, it's, it's, it's Peter exactly. Parker. It's, not, it's just like, oh, this kid. He's it's just a, a kid. kid. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, and they're like, Thanks, Spider-Man. Like, and that, that's yeah. it. It's like, cause it's. I feel like that's what it really would. Well, not really, cause today everybody would pull out their cell phone and everybody would know who the hell this guy is. But, yeah. Um, I feel, and you know what I feel did that as well. Um, kind of like our hero secret thing was a uh, Man of Steel. It pissed so many people off that so many people knew who Superman was, but it made so much sense. Yeah. Like, that's again, it's the same thing as like. Uh, Tom Holland's identity being revealed in this one and people knowing it in the information age where everybody, yeah. like, people seen him. Like, mm-hmm. people seen who he is. Uh, and so, like, I am not so mad at films where people know who the superhero is, with the exception of Batman. Yeah. Uh, so, but that was, like, the first time that that had happened mm-hmm. in, in, uh, in Spider-Man 1. And Spider-Man... I give credit to being what saved Marvel, and I would oh definitely I would say that Marvel would give credit to uh, well actually they would give it to Iron Man, but Spider Man was the one that made comic book movies get taken more seriously. Of course, because uh, they had already sold the rights to Spider Man at that point, um, and and Marvel wasn't doing so good; they were going bankrupt. But and then yeah. Iron Man literally saved them. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, I would I would say that it started sooner i would say that if spider-man hadn't gotten made and comic book movies wouldn't have been taken as seriously and we may never have gotten the mcu right um so those movies always hold a special part in my heart i just really and and you gotta and you gotta uh, you gotta think back because the first Iron Man movie came out in 2008. Spider-Man 3 came out just a year before that, in 2007. Now, had Spider-Man 3 been amazing, Spider-Man 4 would have got made, and, like, it would have been... Like, the entire, like, future of, like, superhero movies would have been completely different. But because Spider-Man 3 failed, Iron Man kind of, like, took that place and kept it, like, going. But it was, like... Everyone loved Spider-Man. Spider-Man Three was one of the most anticipated movies of all time. Oh, hell yeah! Because like Venom trailer. Yeah, what? even even seeing Peter in the black suit, like just the posters of black suit Peter, it was you just like, oh my god! One of those. Yeah, <laughs> it was like this movie is going to be amazing. People still want to see black like symbiote suit. Yeah, uh, Spider-Man now, like that, like that's why everybody was kind of upset that like they did the Venom film and like we wanted Venom in the MCU. Yeah, yeah. We're just like. First of all, we want Venom, and second of all, we want symbiote Spider-Man. Exactly. You, you know, it'd be super funny if they do bring him in, and um, this is gonna be a very uh, kind of like that most of you guys either don't know or very few of you guys remember <coughs> a specific panel, because like the symbiote's like obsessed with with Peter. Exactly. Uh, and this is. Oh, I remember. Yeah. I remember yeah. what I was talking about. Oh, we started. So. So what I was saying, it would be really funny if they bring Venom into the MCU and they do this. this it's such a like obscure reference, but it would be so funny if they did it. Um, where, because especially because they have like this comedic aspect with with uh, Tom Holland, mm-hmm. and there's this panel where Venom and Spider-Man are facing off and. Spider-Man literally gets naked. He takes off his his uh, his suit yeah. and like offers it to the symbiote, and the symbiote takes him off on it and like betrays Eddie and like comes to Spider-Man. Uh, it would just be a funny, like very very obscure yeah. actual comic reference that would be really funny because people would be like, well, "Why the hell is he getting naked? Like, or not butt naked, but like, yeah, you know, why the hell is he getting?" Undressed, yeah, yeah, in the middle of the fight, uh, but it'll be really cool. Uh, they did say that, um, they're eyeing for um, Craven the Hunter to be the villain of the third Spider Man movie, which is what I had said in one of my predictions that I would like for Craven to be a villain because it ties into Black Panther and it would connect 
um, the world. them together, mm-hmm. which makes sense because, and this is like my thing, like, I kind of didn't like the decision that Kevin Feige made because they, he said that, like, technically, um, well, he officially said that Far From Home is the last film of Phase 3. Yeah, yeah. And I honestly would have preferred if it was the first film of Phase 4 because to me... I get that it's like it's wrapping it up. Yeah, like it, it like it feels like an epilogue to Endgame. I, I I get that because it's like people are still reacting to like the snap and stuff. But at the same time, I still feel like it's it's something that um, should have been like a more of like all right, where are we moving forward? Like and I not and especially because of the post credit scenes. Like I feel like it sets up a whole new like world of like possibilities which is which is why it's okay that i think see i i disagree because i think it's okay to wrap up phase three and the end credit scene is kind of like what kicks off phase four mm-hmm. however i i stand by what i say and i think that captain marvel should have never happened in phase three. Oh yeah and that it should have been what started off phase four officially mm-hmm. um i just think it would have been better off yeah uh entirely it just well, you've, you've seen both post-credits, right? Because there's two post-credit scenes in Far From Home. What was the second one? Oh, uh, see? Uh, there's the... Um, like the mid-credit scene? No, like post, like oh, after like the after, credits. after the credits? Yeah. Oh, God. No, I didn't see that one. See, <laughs> now, in that one... Okay, spoilers to him and you if you yeah. haven't seen it. Well, I don't mind. But um, Nick Fury and um, Maria Hill... They're not Nick Fury and Maria Hill. They're, they're scrolls. Like the, the throughout the entire movie, that's it's not actually them. It's it's scrolls, in like portraying them. Um, and it's the the scroll playing Nick Fury is Talos from Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. and it's him and his wife. And he like reports back to Nick Fury, and he's like, "Hey, um, I did what you asked me to do, but um, it kind of got a little hectic, cause, <laughs> you know." And it's like. Yeah, and it's like it's funny because it's like then when you so when you rewatch the movie and you realize that like it's actually Talos the entire time, okay. it makes okay. certain decisions that Nick Fury makes a little bit more like nah. And okay, then, and then okay. and then it shows, but then it shows that Nick Fury is actually like in space on a spaceship with the rest of the scrolls, and basically what it implies is that he's starting um sword, which is like the yeah space I know ver- what it is yeah, yeah. the yeah. space version of Shield. So so here's where. I feel that that would have. But see now that, but because of that post-credit scene, it's like now it ties Captain Marvel into. I mean, yeah, they're gonna that. they're gonna try to tie. But imagine that scene, right? Mm-hmm. But instead of it tying Captain Marvel and him being on Nick Fury's side, if it would have, like, if at the end of the film it would have shown that Nick Fury wasn't there. Or like Nick Fury had gotten captured right. sometime during the film by the scrolls, and now we're hinting towards a scroll invasion, and now yes. we can get Captain Marvel as the first uh, part of, part of Phase Four. Yeah, like that's what I'm saying. Like, like that's just me. I, I get just, it. I just, I just think that Captain Marvel kind of was like shoehorned into it. She was, and, and you can tell and, she was. Yeah, and like I, my biggest complaint about her. And it's not that she's like this huge feminist icon mm-hmm. that feels out of place with it. It's like, that's whatever. My biggest complaint with her is that she just feels so out of place with the team. Like, everybody feels interwoven and connected. And even even Peter, who's relatively new to the team, like when he joins and he's meeting people in the events of Endgame and in the events of uh, Infinity, Infinity War. War. Yeah. But he still very much feels like a part of the fabric of the team and mm-hmm. it feels like he he mixes in really well uh with everybody else and she just feels like the odd one out and and, I, and i've said it i've said it before the the <clears throat> the biggest crime about captain marvel is that she's just like you said she's she's just written poorly yeah yeah she's just not written poorly. and 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 i really hoped that end game would fix that but it it didn't it kind of honestly i feel like the writers of endgame copped out by making by explaining her away i feel like i feel like 
Because think about it. She spent the last like 25 years in space. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, in the in Endgame, she says that line, well, yeah, there's a bunch of planets out there that don't have Avengers. That makes sense. But Why? you've been working out there for, for the years. years. So it's like, I would have liked if she stayed home. Like, what if... It like, would have made what more if, sense. What if, what if, like, you know when Cap was, like, doing that focus, like, that help group? What if she was in the group? Right. Because, like, she's so powerful and she's never failed. So it's right. like, the fact that that happened to her, you don't see that affect her that she didn't, like, she didn't even kill Thanos. Um, Thor did. Right. So it's like, she came there to kill him, but she doesn't. Right. And like the movie in the beginning sets it up that like she's gonna be the one to kill Thanos, but she doesn't. Right. And it's like that 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 subversion of that is so crazy. And then it just skips five years. But she's just like I'm off world doing this, doing that. And then she's out of the rest of the movie until the final battle. It's like you could have written an arc for her to make her deal with the fact that she didn't kill Thanos and that she for the first time she's not the biggest baddest like. Right. hero and how that affects her and like cap could have helped her through that and then that would have been her arc and it, been you know what perfect. i mean but she she has no arc in endgame and that's why i don't like like that would have been perfect considering that they, they they at least brie seems to think that she's going to be the next leader of the avengers and it would make sense because in the current comics i believe that captain marvel is the current leader of the avengers as well yeah um but they didn't but, set it but up. they didn't set it up so she doesn't there's no reason to make her that mm -hmm. uh, and like i i stand by what i say i think dr strange would be the, <laughs> the next he's the best next i think thing. so uh, think about it he, he brought all of them to the all, battle he's the strongest avenger like yeah and it's like, his we plan have so many jokes about who's the strong like it's dr strange far like by a long shot yeah um he soloed Thanos for a bit. Let's just put it that way. Right. Uh, I mean, Thor did too, but Thor's fat now. He got diabetes. He's not as strong as he used to be. If, in terms uh, of, like, the most powerful Avengers, like, excluding Thor, I would say the top three are Doctor Strange, Scarlet Witch, and Captain Marvel. Excluding Thor? Yeah. I think Doctor Strange... If I had to include them, I would say it's Doctor Strange, uh, Thor, then Captain Marvel. Mm. Like, that's my top three for who... How, like, like, let me rephrase that. Doctor Strange, Thor, Skinny Thor, yeah, uh, and then Captain Marvel. Because I think that currently Captain Marvel's stronger than him. Um, but I feel like I feel like you shouldn't sleep on Scarlet Witch though, because think because think about that battle in Endgame. She was like she had him. Yeah, but until then, he did that rain fire shit. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. But like, I feel like Thor would have like. Like super angry, end of uh, what you might call it. Like super angry, top peak condition, end of uh, Infinity War. Thor would have seen that and like, I don't know, he would have done something. I feel like Captain Marvel would have done something. I mean, she pushed back a bunch of nukes. Yeah. Uh, so like, I would have loved to see. I would have loved to see. Like again, if if Captain Marvel wasn't in this film, it would have been so awesome. If like I should have had you on the Endgame episode when if, I did a review of the Endgame. If, yeah, if they did uh, a scene, the scene where like he's like rain fire and like they shoot him down, and I don't know if you seen like One Punch Man where Tatsumaki takes, oh, yeah, takes yeah. all the bullets and shoots him back up. It would have been cool if they imitated that in a way, except that she still fails because one of them gets through and, and like breaks her concentration and lets Thanos through. But yeah. It would have been cool if to get to see her like start to shoot him back and just and destroy the ship and that, that break down the cool. ship. But one of them still lands close enough to like knock her back and break her concentration or knock her out yeah. and break her concentration. Just really a real cool show of strength from her. Mm -hmm. Like it was nice to see her beat Thanos, but it would have been so sick to see her like take out like his fleet of ships and yeah, yeah. that, that would have been cool. But that's just me being like super nerdy imaginative. Like No, definitely, definitely. Well, um, we're almost an hour in. We ended up like having a couple tangents here and there. Um, I wanted to try to make a quick um, segue because there's like a lot of, you know, we were talking about nostalgia and how like Spider-Man has been redone a few times and like a lot of people will stick to their original, um, you know, version that they like knew and loved and grew up with. So I wanted to tie that into uh, what Disney's doing because The Lion King comes out on Friday. 
Um, and some reviews are saying that they like it, and some reviews are actually being real and saying that, like, it's not, you know, as crazy as you think it is. Like, it's it, visually, it looks beautiful, but it's, like, it's the exact same movie. And it's just going to be things that you remember from that first one that were done better yeah so like i'll i'll i guess i'll do uh an episode about the lion king because the lion the original lion king is my favorite movie mine too so um i oh yeah got it all right so yeah we got we got our final five minutes so uh let's do a speed thing um for for this well, I'll, 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 in terms I, of Disney remakes, so I'll try to be quick. Yeah, because like th- this is how I break it down. I break it down as the remakes that they've done that I think are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, I think that the Jungle Book was decent, and I think that uh, Aladdin's currently probably their best one. Mm. Uh, they have their faults, and I'll explain in a second. But I think that. They were pretty good. I, I personally enjoyed that. You might disagree, but I personally enjoyed them. The reason I enjoyed them is because I felt that, for the most part, they captured a lot of the nostalgia. Like, they did a good job of capturing nostalgia. Yeah. Not just for the sake of, like, look, the same characters. It's just, like, they did things that you were just like, oh, yeah, it was cool. Like, uh, it, Will Smith in... I'll get to that in a second. But, like, uh, Will Smith's Friend Like Me song was different. But at the same time, it was like, it was cool. It was yeah. just like, yeah, I remember this. Um, the magic carpet, the, like the magic carpet was my favorite thing about the, the, the Aladdin film. Yeah. I felt that it had as much character and as much like, it was just as animated as it was in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, in the original. So I loved it. Um, and as for uh, the Jungle Book, not so much, but it just, I, the Jungle Book was one of the, my most watched films, mm-hmm. and I just thought that every now and then it hit a sweet spot. Right. Um, but it did miss a lot, too, but not as much as some other ones. Where I feel that most of them missed the ball is that there are just certain things that animation captures and that animation can do that neither at the moment 3D, like 3D rendering like 3D animation or live action has been able to capture. Although they were able to do some awesome things with Genie, uh, I feel that they dropped the ball in this sense because I felt like if you watch The Mask, yeah, um, I feel that that is the best representation of a cartoon character in live action. Yeah, And their solutions to it were rather simple. Uh, it, and what they did was like they added motion blur to Jim Carrey's character mm-hmm. after the fact, and they didn't do it through like through, like special effects blur because if they did, it would actually blur out the entire figure. Like an artist actually came in afterwards and rendered the blur um, afterwards to create that effect of like moving really fast yeah, and very yeah. cartoony, which I felt would have aided in making. Will Smith's genie a lot more cartoony, um, which I feel like would have made the film even better. Because right. Will Smith wasn't bad, but the problem is, is that these films feel like they're really, really big productions, but they lack the magic that Disney originally captured in their animations. Mm-hmm. Beauty and the Beast, uh, Dumb- like I haven't seen Dumbo, but like I've seen clips of it, and it just doesn't feel the same. Exactly. I, 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 uh, the Jungle Book too, like it, 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 like it doesn't necessarily feel exactly the same, but it wasn't bad. Like uh, my favorite song of all time, um, that's not like a main character song, is uh, King Louis' "Be Like You." Right. Like right. it's so good to me, and it was just so meh in the Jungle Book. Mm-hmm. It was super nostalgic because I love it. Right. Which is probably why I like the film so much because it was just like yeah, it was like it's like but. It, you know, it just didn't hit that. Yeah. But like, last minute. What I think that Disney to do instead of doing remakes mm-hmm. um, is do things like Maleficent. Because if I can 
just talk about Aladdin one more time, spoilers for those, is that they they gave Jasmine a bit more character development. They even gave her her own song and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it kind of felt out of place. Not that it was bad. I felt that way too. But it felt out of place because the movie's not about Jasmine. But it would have been so interesting if we would have got like a sequel to this called Jasmine where she takes that exact same role because like Aladdin couldn't really be the Sultan afterwards. Like, he's, right. He's not royalty. It's like, but we would have got a spin-off. And Maleficent was really, really good. Mm-hmm. I think it's their best film ever. Yeah. So at Disney, if you ever hear this, stop doing remakes, do spin-offs. That's, That's it. <laughs> Last five seconds, I want to thank you, Eli, for doing this. Uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. Talk more.